Thank you, Karen, for reading the word of the Lord to us this morning. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Her name was Melanie, and I met her when we were both in our early 20s. And um, she was into the stock car racing scene in Nipawin, Saskatchewan, where we both lived. And through the friendship of a couple of drivers, she started coming to our church, and she started um, hanging out with our young adults group. And months later, she came to embrace Jesus as the one who had forgiven her sins and was now leading her into a brand new life as a Christian. It was really cool to see what God was doing in Melanie's life. And uh, she was very open about her journey, and she loved to tell the stories of how she was growing. And one of the stories she told me, I'm just going to tell you today, one of her big obstacles in her early days of walking with God in this new relationship with him was in the area of prayer. She never prayed um, publicly in front of anyone else before, and so she tried to avoid that as much as she can, but she couldn't avoid it for long because a couple that I knew who were Christians, they had two kids, and they were going to go away for the weekend, and they asked Melanie, to, would she take care of the kids for the weekend? And so she said yes. So there she was, taking care of the kids, and she made them a meal, and then she realized, oh, Christians, they pray before they eat. So she asked the girl, would you pray for the meal? And she did. And then later on, she made another meal. And then she asked the boy, would you pray? And he did. And then came to the third meal. And the kid said, well, Melanie, it's your turn to pray. And as she told the story to me, she said she was shaking. She was sweaty. She was just, like, her, all her thoughts were a flutter. She couldn't sort of concentrate. And then it was just like she prayed. And she said, I don't even remember what I said, she said, but it was my first time praying. And it was like she had overcome this massive hurdle in her life. Now, the neat thing about Melanie is she kept growing in a relationship with God. And uh, as she did, she uh, grew in her prayer life. And uh, the neat thing today is that she's now a children's pastor in one of our sister churches in northern Vancouver. And she uh, went from being intimidated to pray in front of children to teaching children to pray. So I guess by now you've guessed that because of the scripture and what I've shared, that today I'm going to talk about the Christian practice of prayer. But before we do that, I want to do a quick survey with you. So if you're used to this, what we did in the past as Hillcrest, you'll know what to do. You can go to the website kahoot, with a K, K-A-hoot, like an owl, dot com, and uh, we're going to do a survey together. And, uh, but before the, as you're getting yourself ready for that, and before we do that, I want to just tell you where we're at. Uh, so grab your smartphone or laptop, and uh, let me just tell you a little bit more of, of where we're at. We're back into part two of our Believe series. It's the one we started in the fall. So in the fall, we were talking about topics like God, personal God, salvation, the Bible, identity in Christ, the church, humanity, compassion, stewardship, and eternity. These are like the top ten things that Christians believe. And so we just talked about those topics. What do Christians believe? And then just last week on December 27th, Pastor Kurt launched us into the second phase of this because it wasn't just about what you believe. We wanted to talk about what you believe and how that leads to what you do and how that leads to who you become. Uh, the ultimate goal of this teaching in this series is that we would think more like Jesus and we would act more like Jesus and we would be more like Jesus in our lives. If you missed Kurt's sermon from last week, he did an incredible, when he was talking about worship, which was the first of the practices, first of the do's, he, he talked about 
how we're called to be unashamed worshipers, and he challenged us to rise to that level of, of not holding back in our worship to God. It's incredible. So check it out on our YouTube page, Hillcrest Church, Moose Jaw. If you search that, you'll find us. So before Christmas, we were finding out what we believe, and now what we want to find out what we are called to do. Because what you believe influences what you do and ultimately influences who you are becoming. Okay, so I think we're ready. Let's get started, okay? So uh, the number for the game... Oh, did we get that out there? It was up there. Okay, so you can see the number up on the slide. All right, here we go. Here's the first question. What was your favorite activity you did over the Christmas holidays? Okay, was it eating chocolate? Okay. Was it Zooming with your family? Uh, was it sledding? Um, or... What's that last one? Watching Christmas movies on rerun. Okay, so those are your answers. So eating chocolate is the red one, the red answer, the red triangle, and the blue diamond is zooming with family, and then the yellow circle is um, sledding, and then watching Christmas reruns is the green square. Okay, so you just click one of those. We're going to take a survey, and we're going to find out what was the favorite activity for all of us collectively through the Christmas holidays. I know that Hope Has Come drive through was one of my favorite activities. I mean, a thousand people came through. Oh, here's our results. Okay, here we go. So the number one is Zooming with family and followed 25 answers in, in second place was sledding. Sledding, wow, we went outside. Good job. And, uh, and then in last place was eating chocolate. How could that end in last place? I don't know. I don't understand. All right, let's go to our next question here. Here we go. What would be your New Year's resolution? What would be your New Year's resolution? All right. Uh, man, guys, my eyes are fading here. You've got to help me with these. Uh, so the first one. Oh, here we go. Thank you. Oh, he's got it on the screen behind you. Oh, he's got it up. Okay. Exercise more is the red triangle. The blue diamond is learn a new skill or hobby. The yellow circle is stop procrastinating, and which I should stop procrastinating with getting my uh, prescription changed. And uh, then the green um, square is pay off debts. So what was your, what's your, your um, the thing you're attempting to do, your New Year's resolution that you're hoping to do in the new year? All right. I know for me, it's, oh, here, here we come, here we come. The answer is number one. All right, which I've, exercise more. Okay, exercise more is number one. And the, and the paying off debt was the least likely one. So that's, a, that's amazing. So exercise more, procrastinating, stop procrastinating, learning a new skill or hobby are tied in second place, and paying off debts, not too many people are that excited about that. But uh, exercise more, well, we'll see. We'll see how that works out for each one of us. Now we're going to get to some serious questions, and these questions are about prayer. So let's jump in here with this one. Okay, I seek God's will through prayer. I seek God's will through prayer. So the red triangle is I constantly do this. The blue diamond, I often do this. The yellow circle, I seldom do this. Or the green square, I haven't been doing this. So what, how, does it, how is it for you? I constantly seek God's will through prayer, asking for direction, wisdom, asking God for a sense of peace about a decision, or maybe trying to get that internal check if you're going to do something that maybe is a bad idea, or a real sense of peace if it's going to be something really good. 
Uh, just checking in with God so that you're not rushing into things. So, what's your answer? I constantly do that, red triangle. I often do that, blue diamond. Okay, here comes our results. So, the biggest one is I often do this. I often do this. 58% often do this. And uh, constantly is 19%. I seldom do this is 17%. And I haven't been doing this is 6%. Thanks for your honesty about that. That's awesome. Let's go to the next one. I regularly confess my sins to God. <laughs> okay, I constantly do that is the red triangle. And then the blue diamond is I often do this. And I seldom do it is the is the yellow circle, and the green square is, I haven't been doing this. I regularly confess my sins to God. I heard a guy say once that confession is the trash can of our prayer life. <laughs> so how, how often do you take out the trash in your prayer life? And confessing sin is just acknowledging that we've fallen short of God's desire for us, we're, and we're agreeing with God about our behavior, our wrong behavior, our wrong attitudes, and turning from those things. So that's Confession. So I regularly do that. Do you regularly confess your sins to God? Okay. Again, I often do this is the highest one. And uh, there's many who say I constantly do this, or I, I seldom do this. But then, uh, and then a few who haven't been doing this. But it's good. Lots of people in this sort of often category. Let's do the next one. Prayer is a central part of my daily life. I constantly do this is the red square, red triangle and then the blue diamond is I often yellow circle I seldom do this and green square I haven't been doing this prayer is a central part of my daily life so maybe it's a central part because you set aside time for it I remember talking to a guy once and he said I pray five times a day and I almost felt like he was sort of chest thumping a little bit with me so I was like oh that's cool and I didn't you know respond in any negative way I thought this was cool and then I talked to my buddy and I said hey I just talked to a guy he says he prays five times a day and my buddy said, only five times a day? I talk to God all day long. I pray without ceasing. <laughs> so, but is, is it a central part of your daily life, whether there's a time set aside or a place set aside for when you do it, or is it something you do all day long? Okay, so many are saying, again, I often do this, and some say I constantly do this, some say I seldom do this, it's about tide, and then some haven't been doing this at all. Okay, great. Honesty's the win. Let's get to our last question here. It's, I seek to grow closer to God by listening to him in prayer. Okay. Red triangle, constantly. Blue diamond, often. Yellow circle, seldom. And I haven't been doing this as the green square. I seek to grow closer to God by, to him, by listening to him in prayer. Okay, so prayer is not just talking, it's also listening. This listening can happen as you read the Bible, paying, atten paying attention to what it says about God and you. You can ask God a question and then give him your attention in silence and, and create space for him to bring a word, a thought, maybe a picture or a scripture to your mind. Our Hearing God seminar, which is coming up in just a couple weeks here, is, uh, helps people to grow in these things. But anyhow, how is it for you right now? You seek to grow closer to God by listening to him in prayer. Again, often is the big one. The second most uh, common one here is I seldom do this. So most, most times the, you know, the red one ends up in second, but here we've got, we've got the yellow one is pretty common as well. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You did an amazing job of being honest, and that's what this is about, evaluating where we're really at. 
So this week in our Believe journey, we've got a question. And the question is this, how do I grow? How do I grow by communicating with God? And the answer, and if you have a Believe Bible, if you have one of those, uh, you'll, you'll have seen that if you did your weekly reading. The answer is this, I pray to God for three things, to know him, to find direction for my life, and to lay my requests before him. You know, I think King David was experiencing a lot of those things in his life, a lot of these results, this knowing God, this finding direction, this laying his request before God. I think he was finding this, and he couldn't wait to tell people about it. Here in Psalm 66, uh, we find our key verses for the week, and I'm just going to read a few verses before, starting at verse 16. It says, Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. And if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. So how would you like to have this kind of response or this kind of story to tell about your prayer life, about your experience uh, with God through prayer? So you'd be telling people, through prayer, I've gotten to know God better. And through prayer, I've received direction in my life. And through prayer, I've laid many requests before him, and I've seen, uh, his, I've seen answered prayer. Sometimes he answers prayer by changing the circumstances. Sometimes he's answered the prayer by changing me. But either way, I've seen God at work in my life. So we pray to God to know him. We pray to God to find direction for our lives and to lay our requests before him. Let me just talk about each of these really quickly. So first, knowing him. I think the first thing is you just got to know God as God. Know God as God, capital G, God. The only true God, the all-powerful one, the creator of all things, the one who has all power. And, and then getting to, once that's established, I mean, this was really important because if you get that established, then you, you understand yourself in the pecking order, right? If you understand God as God, then you come before him humbly because he is, he is uh, all that. Then you, the other part is, is getting to know what he's like in his attributes. So what is God like in his mercy? What is God like in his justice or his holiness or his love or his grace? Try, coming to understand and knowing God in those ways. And knowing God is a personal God. Knowing God is, and Kurt has mentioned this already, this was one of the things when we did a big massive survey of our church in this, with the Believe Assessment at the beginning of the year, we found out that this is one of our lower scores. A lot of people really struggle in this area, and so we really want to grow in this area. In fact, it's one of our best opportunities to grow in this area. So if you've got a Believe Bible, probably one of the chapters you might want to read not just once, but maybe twice or more, is the, is the second chapter, which is about being personal, God being a personal God who is involved in and cares about our lives. And so if you read that, it'll actually be a great foundation to fuel your prayer life. Because if you don't believe he's involved in and, pray, and caring about your life, you're probably not going to reach out in prayer as much. But he is. And so prayer helps us to know God that way, that he is a personal God, and he does care, and he is involved in our lives. So you get to know God in who he is to you. You know him as, as a father, you know, as your father. You know him as your leader, your savior, your protector, 
your provider. All these things become clear as we become knowing God. And then what about finding direction for my life? Well, this is just where we stop and we ask God for wisdom and insight and direction before we make the major decisions, right? We don't go make the major decisions, then come back to God and say, hey, did we do that right? Before we, I want to tell you, if you're, if you're just about to make a big decision in your life, a job change, uh, you're choosing, you know, you're going to propose, uh, you're going to, you know, just quit your job. I don't know what, you know, what it is. Whatever it is that's a major decision in your life, would you stop and ask God? And he'll help you. He'll give you direction. Come in faith that he cares about your life. And um, so we, we ask, God, give me wisdom. Give me insight. Give me direction before I make this decision. And then we stop and we are attentive to listen for what he might reveal or make clear. Or he might provide a, a resource to help us. Or he might provide, I've prayed that prayer many times. God, give me the resources. I don't know what to do in this scenario. I don't know how to lead in this scenario. I don't, I don't know much about this scenario. I'm sort of clueless. Would you give me a resource so I could grow and learn? Or would you give me people in my life? Would you give me people in my life? It's sort of like divine appointments that you set up where I run into people. When you make it, like, I don't even know where to go for help. But you know all the pieces on your cosmic chessboard. You know everyone. You know the one that can help me. So Lord, would you help me with a divine appointment with somebody who can mentor me or give me insight or wisdom? Lord, I want direction and Whatever way you want to provide, I'm open to that. And then we, um, we constantly are checking in with God. We want to make sure our life isn't straying away from God's plan for us, but we want to make sure that we're staying on target. So that's finding direction. And then the last one, lay my requests before him. So we've got worries. We've got burdens. And they're meant to be laid before God. And in exchange, God wants to give us peace. That's his... That's his uh, his M.O. And so we connect our pleas for help to God's provision when we pray. And we connect our pain to his power when we pray. And we get his perspective about what he desires. And, and we also see him answer prayers, right? We see him answer prayers that we've prayed. So I said already that the ultimate goal as a follower of Jesus Christ is to think, act, and be like Jesus. And when it comes to prayer, Jesus is the best example. Like, I, There's lots of guys in the Bible that you could look at and go, that guy, Daniel, last week we heard about Daniel. That guy's prayer life, awesome. David, awesome. Uh, Hannah's prayer recorded for us in the Bible. Mary's prayer, oh man, awesome, awesome, awesome. But you know, the best model for prayer in the Bible is Jesus himself. And uh, we see that in Mark 1.35, it talks about very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6.12-13 says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And when the morning came, he called his disciples to him. He chose 12 of them, which he also designated apostles. He prayed. Mark 6, 45 to 46, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So here's three different scenarios. And we find out that Jesus prayed when the demands got busy. He prayed when the decisions were important. He prayed when his energy was depleted. Can you relate to that? I mean, uh, you, do you have busy demands? Do you have important decisions? Do you have depleted energy in your life? 
And the neat thing is not just that we can relate to Jesus, it's that Jesus can relate to us. He who was fully God became fully man. And then, as a man, he prayed. You say, why would Jesus need to pray? Because Jesus lived in dependence on the Father, in dependence on the Holy Spirit. He emptied himself. He emptied himself and, and lived in dependence. And it became a model for us. Those weren't just, oh, I'm just sowing them the form of prayer. No, Jesus needed to pray. And if Jesus needed to pray, sinless Jesus, then you and I, we need to pray. And his disciples found him praying so often. It was just basically the rule of thumb was, if Jesus is missing, he's probably praying. In fact, um, Luke 11, the, the main scripture that Karen read at the beginning of the service It talks about that. One day, Jesus was praying. Luke 11, verse 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, no, this is very interesting. I don't know if they were just sort of watching him pray, whether they were praying as well. I don't know what the context was. It just says that Jesus was praying. It doesn't say they were praying. But when he finished, then one of the disciples just straight up asked him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, and here's this model prayer of Jesus, and you've probably, many of you probably know it by heart or you've heard it, um, and this is a shorter version of it than the one in, I think, Matthew, uh, which isn't a contradiction. It just means that they recorded different aspects of it. It says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. So let's just walk through this. Hallowed be your name. What is it to hallow God's name? It's, it's, a, it's a prayer, it's a request to say, God, I want your name to be seen as holy. I want you to be revered. I want you to be respected by myself. And as I live my life, I'd like others to see how I revere you, how I honor you, how I see you as holy. And they'll come to see that too. Because God is holy. I want to, I want, you know, I'm not making God holy. He is holy. He's perfect. He's sinless. But I want to, I want to, to regard that in my life and to see that. So hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Now what, what is this? God's, the kingdom of God is anywhere where Jesus is king. So I mean, you could draw a circle around your feet and just sort of say, your kingdom come here. In other words, lead me like a king, Jesus. I need your leadership. I need your guidance in my life. I embrace your kingly leadership over my life. And when you're saying you, your kingdom come, you're saying that for yourself, but then you're also really saying that, Lord, let that happen for others. May your kingdom come for me. May it come in my family. May it come with my coworkers. May it come to my town. May your kingdom come, that you'd be the kingly ruler in these contexts. Give us our daily bread. We're talking about physical needs. Our daily bread. So it might be food, it might be money, it might be shelter, transportation, work, or a job. Take those needs to God. God cares about your physical needs. Forgive us our sins. These are spiritual needs. One of our greatest needs is to have a close, intimate relationship with God. It's a possibility. God's, God desires it with us. And yet, there's lots of things that cause us to stray. And one of the biggest ones is, is sin in our lives. When we do wrong, our tendency is to hide away from God or to spend a long time before we come back to God. Because we have it ingrained in us that we've got to earn our way back with God. And that's not how it works. It's not how it works. We can never earn our way with God. He's perfect and holy. We're not. We're sinful. The way that we come to God is based on what he did for us on the cross. Right? He took our sin 
so that we could have his righteousness. And so forgive us our sins is, as a daily prayer isn't, you know, I was a Christian, then I sinned, then I wasn't a Christian. That's not how it works. It's just maintaining that family relationship with God. So it's, it's maintaining a close relationship, emptying the trash can of your prayer life by confession. So forgive me my sins. God, you're right in this area. I was wrong. I'm sorry. And I'm going to turn from this sinful attitude or behavior. And I want to get as closely aligned with you as I possibly can. Please forgive me. And the Bible says, if you ask for forgiveness, he will. It's amazing. Here's the next part. It's the package deal. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So part of our prayer life or the model prayer that Jesus gave his followers was forgive people as God has forgiven you. So, God, is there anyone I haven't forgiven? I choose to obey you and forgive them. I choose to obey you and forgive them right now. I give up my desire to get back at them. I pray that my feelings towards them will change in time. Of course, you don't have to have warm feelings towards someone who hurt you to forgive them. You forgive is an act of the will. It's an act of obedience. It's an act of trust that God will take you the whole path to the end where you actually can love your enemies like he commanded. And I pray that you will bless their life. And then lead us not into temptation. God, you know my struggle with that one temptation. I know that's not what I need, but it's hard to resist, so please help me in my struggle against sin. Now, Jesus ends the passage after that with just encouragement. He's saying, you know, what if you had a friend who was annoyed at you and wouldn't open the door to give you stuff you needed? If you kept knocking, he'd eventually open it, right? God's way better than your annoyed friend neighbor. Or um, what if you had, you know, look at earthly fathers. All of them are faulty in some way, yet somehow they managed to get some things right here and there, like giving good gifts to their children. How much more will your heavenly father, who is a better father, a perfect father, give you what you need? So it's just some assurance he builds into this. He says, pray like this. And this prayer isn't just going through the rituals. The one on the other end is a father who really deeply cares about you. And uh, you can trust him. I, I want to point out just a few other practicals from Jesus' teaching. And then I'm going to move on to the, the main closing point I have for today. Matthew 6, he's got a couple real doozies that are really helpful. He says, and when you pray, in verse 5, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want to, I'm going to give you three practicals here, but the first one is just, when you pray, pray. Now, I know that sounds crazy. When you pray, pray. You say, well, what else can happen? If I'm going to pray, won't I pray? Maybe not. This is what I've experienced. Sometimes I go to pray, and because I haven't sort of been thinking about God, I haven't sort of been in that context, I just spend my time worrying, thinking, trying to resolve my conflicts, trying to figure out my problems, turning to Google for an answer. Seriously, prayer times can turn into those things. So you're not communing with God, you're just communing with yourself. And that wasn't the goal. So when you pray, pray. Really focus on actually speaking to God. And it isn't, it's just like speaking to anyone else. Now I relate to Melanie who was so stressed about praying. What do you say? What do you say? You just talk normally to God. You don't have to have a great vocabulary. You just simply come to him and simply pray. 
So make sure in your prayer time that you pray, that you actually are having a heartfelt conversation with God. It doesn't have to be huge or complex, but one thing that really helps me is when I read the Bible with prayer, because then I have some God thoughts to percolate on that help me in my approach of God. So when you pray, pray. And then the second thing is remove distractions from your life. So in here, Jesus is saying, don't pray in front of a whole bunch of people. Now that's preventing them from becoming hypocrites, to be praying, praying to impress, right? He says, go into your closet. But there's another great thing about going into your closet, and that is you're not as distracted. Now, nowadays we have a whole new levels of distraction. We're, the, we're going crazy in distractions. So I would say, when you pray, put your cell phone away, right? When you pray, uh, like, for me, I... I've tried lots of different things. I tried like, like uh, thinning out all the apps on my cell phone that were exciting. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want anything, I don't want to be drawn towards those things. Uh, but then after, eventually I just thought, no, the best thing, I just got to put myself in another room. I just want to give God my attention. I want, I want to really be in front of him. Like the verse in um, Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. If you want to know that God, that he's God and that you're with him and you really want to commune with him, you maybe have to, be, you have to get rid of the distractions. You've got to be still and, um, and be with him. Then he goes on, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 7, 8, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So pray, remove distractions, and then practice simplicity in your prayer. The Lord's Prayer is very simple. I mean, those are powerful statements, every one of them, but they're just simple statements. And I found there was other prayers in the Bible where people prayed, and they weren't people who were like, like praying great prayers, of great oratorical prayers, but they were very powerful prayers. Let me just share a few of them. A leper prayed this, If you will, you can make me clean. That was his conversation with, with Jesus. Um, some friends brought a man who was paralyzed to Jesus. They didn't even say a word. They just showed up in his presence. That's pretty powerful. Um, the ruler of a synagogue said, My little daughter's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so she may be made well and live. Just straight to the point. God, you heal my daughter. That's a legitimate Simple, powerful prayer. A woman with a flow of blood that wouldn't stop just reached out and touched Jesus, thinking, if, if I even touch his garment, I'll be made well. She didn't even verbalize anything. She just had faith in her heart and a thought in her mind that Jesus could heal her. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's a prayer I've prayed a few different times in my life because it, it's actually one of the, the, the spiritual fathers in in antiquity, he used to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. In fact, it was supposed to be called the breathing prayer because you would inhale, you'd go, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. They would do this as a practice. Such a simple prayer, not complex, but just putting you in the right frame of mind to be in his presence. And to... The tax collector also prayed very similar. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So pray, remove distractions, and just pray simply when you pray. Now I want to talk about, well, something that's been on my mind, to be honest. I think there are two things that really in your prayer life that will really please God. 
And I think if you only have one, I don't think you're going to end up in the, wrong place, in the right place with it. So let me just talk about them. The two things are surrender and faith. I think you need both to please God. And so I want to just turn to one of Je- another model prayer by Jesus. He gave us the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. That is gold. Pray that every day. That could be part of your prayer life, to get you started in prayer, praying to learning the rhythms of healthy prayer. But here's one that I think, when it comes to actually asking for something, like a request, God, would you do this? I think his other model prayer in Matthew 26, 39 is also going to change your life. So this is how it says, it's going a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So I want you to see two things in here. One, Jesus is asking the biggest prayer request in the history of the universe. I I don't know of another prayer request as big as this one. He's saying, if it's possible, may this cup be... He is about to go to the cross. He knows this is the plan. But he knows it's going to be agony. It's going to be terrible. And so, he prays this prayer. If there's another way, if there's another way for sinful people to be reconciled to a holy God and enjoy a relationship with him forever, then could you take this way out of the picture and replace it with that other option? This is a massive prayer request. And I don't think this prayer dishonors the Father. I think this is a legitimate prayer. I wanna, so I want to encourage you when you pray, to pray with great faith. I don't want you just to pray in areas where they're small or like if if I don't get this answer, it doesn't really matter because it's not even an area that matters. I want you to pray in the biggest areas of your life. Jesus prayed that the plan of salvation of him going to the cross for our sins be altered. Wow. That's an audacious, big ask and here's the second part he said yet not as i will but as you will so we have the biggest prayer request in the history of the universe followed by the biggest surrender in the history of the universe and i think this is the model for all of our asks all the things that we bring to god you know uh, Hebrews tells us, without faith, Hebrews eleven six. 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the faith side. That's the belief side. That's the audacious asking God for big things side. And it pleases God. And if you don't have faith to ask God to change anything in your life, I don't think it's pleasing to God. I don't think he delights in that. So sometimes when it comes to asking God for things, we just stay in a safe territory. right? We don't ask for any big things. And I don't think God is pleased by that. I don't think God looks at... Now, it's not that God doesn't love you, but I think he's called you to experience so much more. So we need to activate that faith side. But here's the other angle. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
in Christ Jesus. And this is the surrender side. This is like, life isn't working out. I'm bringing my request to God. And you know what? He might not say yes to the request I'm asking. You know, God, when you ask for something from God, he can say yes, he can say no. He might just put you on a waiting timetable where you don't know what the answer is going to be. That's the reality of, of encountering a sovereign God. And so on this side of the table, there's surrender. It's a great balance to faith. And faith is a great balance to surrender. So if people only, uh, if people only do surrender... Right? If they only say, oh, I'm just surrendered to God, whatever he does, their prayers sound like this. Hey, buddy, I've got cancer. Would you pray for me? Lord, give him peace. Great, actually, prayer. But it's only half done. And now, if someone comes to the other guy, and he's not really surrendered to God, but he's gung-ho in faith, hey, buddy, I've got cancer, he's going to say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, not a bad prayer. Neither of those are bad prayers. But they've got to come together. And how it comes together is the, like we saw with the prayer of Jesus. Asking for something that is an out-and-out transformative miracle. Only God could do. And it's a huge ask. Asking it in total surrender. That if God says no, you're okay. This is what I find. And this is the two camps. I don't want you to fall into either of these two camps. The one camp with the, um, the one camp when it's, it's all about faith. Some, somehow, somehow, and I have good friends who are maybe lean this way a little bit more, but, but, and I sometimes lean this way occasionally too, but somehow you can get to the point where it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just say it how it is, I, I'm going to just tell God what I desire for him to do. And it's almost like that surrender and submission piece is missing. And so it's sort of like, well, I figured out how to make God do what I want him to do. I don't think that pleases God. Even if you're speaking with great faith, even if you're asking for big things, I don't think it pleases God if there's no surrender. And what I find on this side is I find a lot of shipwrecked people. Later on in life, they're like not following God. And I say, what happened? And they say, well, this tragedy came into my life. This suffering came into my life. This this." this circumstance came into my life and I prayed and I declared and I, I claimed and I and I didn't get the answer I wanted and so I don't know why I would serve that God so they never to me the reason the, the problem is laid at the feet of myself people like me pastors maybe we never taught well enough for them to know that even if God doesn't answer yes he's still worth serving in the Old Testament, we have a great example. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand before the king of Babylon. and He's built a big golden idol and says, you should worship this. If you don't worship this, I'll throw you in a furnace of fire and you'll be burnt up. And you know what? They have this great response. Let me just read it to you. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, this is Daniel 3.17, if we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. You know what? These guys are faith guys. These guys are faith guys. They lead with great, this, that incredible faith statement to just simply say, um, 
he will deliver us from your hand. It's like, wow. That's gutsy. That's bold. That's faith. I'm challenged by that. That's incredible. But you know what? It's not just faith. It's also surrender because they go on to say, even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods. So this is what I find missing in some people's prayer life is that surrender piece that partners with the faith. So pray great prayers, but no, if God says no, God says no, he's sovereign. There's no formula. I don't know of any formula that you can uh, work out that makes God say yes to you all the time. If that was true, I think you would be God, and you're not. You might be gored, but you're not God. So you've got to know this. You've got to know this, that God is worth serving, and don't approach him in the wrong pecking order. Understand, get to know him. Understand that he is the only true God. And that if, he, if you go into the fiery furnace and you die, he hasn't done you a great injustice. If he's given you eternal life with him, he's only sped up the process to the best ending you could possibly have. So pray with great faith, but pray with surrender. And this, and to the other side, where they, they embrace surrender, but in some way, that means they never pray in great faith. They pray that they'll survive, they pray that they'll endure, they pray that they'll persevere, all godly things. But they never pray for circumstances to change. They never pray for things that should not be to be undone. They never pray for healing. They never pray for uh, provision from God. They never pray big radical prayers for something to really be transformed. So they've got the surrender piece, but they aren't walking in faith. And that's where faith comes in to balance them out. And so I think, you know, a New Testament example of that is guys who led with surrender but partnered with faith is John uh, and Peter. Peter and John, they're called in in Acts 5 and, and uh, I'll start in Acts 4 verse 18. Just read a few, just the passage. They called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges as for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. This is like they're surrendered. They're like, no matter what comes, if serving God means beatings or imprisonment or death, we're, we're resigned to that. We're still going to speak about him. We're going to still preach about him. It says, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. I'm going to go on to verse 23 of, of Acts 4. So these guys have stood. They've said, we're surrendered to God no matter what comes. We're going to keep ta- talking about Jesus. Awesome. But you know what? It's not just surrender because then they move into the area of faith. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now their prayer, even though there's surrender in it, has huge faith in it. It says... Now, Lord, consider their threats. Now, they didn't just say, and help us persevere, and help us survive, and help us die for you. They said, consider their threats and enable, 
your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders throughout, through the name of your holy ser- servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, and spoke the word of God boldly. And then the next chapter, it says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders. People were healed. Even if Peter's shadow crossed, went across them, they would get up from their sick beds and they were healed. So whether you naturally lead with faith or you naturally lead with surrender in your prayer life, remember the other side. That's what I'm asking you to do. Remember the other side. I know I, I think I lean in different seasons of my life different ways. Probably more of my life I lean to the surrender side. Tell you the truth. People come for prayer and I say, oh God, give them peace. Help them, you know, help them with their emotions. You know, I'm, I'm praying that they will surrender to you in whatever you decide. Your will be done. I go to the your will be done side of things. That's good. But you know what? There's a balance to that. And that is, if it's possible, like Jesus said, if it's possible, will you heal them of this cancer? If it's possible, would you provide them work, steady employment? If it's possible, would you provide them a car so they can get to Regina? If it's possible, would you heal their van, <laughs> their dishwasher, their MacBook. I just throw those in because of my crazy prayer life and some answers my wife and I have seen that are sort of wild. If it's possible, Lord, would you do things only you can do? But not my will, but yours be done. Let me pray for you today and pray for me too. Lord, I pray that we would be people of prayer. And for everybody who's listening to me this morning, I pray that you would just nudge them and help them to know what the next step of obedience is, the next one thing to do. I, I pray, I know my tendency, I like to write out, you know, the whole path of how I'm going to become the ultimate prayer warrior. I like to write it all out. But Lord, I, I just feel that people need the next step. And they don't need to have that whole path overwhelming them or trying to do it all in one big shot. Would you show them the next step of obedience? The next uh, step of growth in communicating with you? I pray that that would be clear. Give them that one thing. I pray even now as they're listening, as they're quiet before you, as they're attentive before you, that you'd, you'd just bring an impression on their mind or, or, or some way even in the next days to come, where they would, it would be clear to them how they can take a next step in prayer to grow in their relationship with you, to align themselves with your will for them, to lay their requests before you, to ask great things from you, and to live in a, in a, in a posture of great surrender before you. I, I pray that you would transform us to be like Jesus. We want to think like Jesus. We want to act like Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And you want that for us too. So we, we know when we pray that prayer that that lines up with your will. So Lord, conform us to your image. Make us more like you in 2021. And help us to uh, grow in prayer. We ask that in your name. Amen. Well, I just want to say God bless you. Have an incredible week. And uh, I encourage you to take that next step whatever step he 
impresses on you to take. Take that next step in prayer. Make it a priority. God bless you.